Hey, and welcome to Cultivate the Ordinary podcast. Curious conversations for the bored, jaded, and burned out. I'm Travis. And I'm Jesse. In a world that sees with dim lenses due to fear, stress, and uncertainty, we want to inspire and spark a better awareness of imagination and God's presence in the everyday. We invite you to join us on a fun journey of discovery and curiosity as we look for God's goodness and love in the ordinary through the lenses of joy, wonder, beauty, and hope. Hey, well, thanks for joining us again today. And, you know, today we're going to talk about wonder and curiosity and creativity and kind of all those things around um, you just imagination and thinking and being inspired. So, yeah. But before that, Jess, how are you doing today? I'm wondering how you're doing. <laughs> you're funny. I am. I should wonder about myself. Um <sighs> No, really good. We just came on the heels of um, uh, celebrating our oldest son's 18th birthday. So uh, Jay is 18. And um, I think that's a milestone for every kid when they turn 18. But, you know, it really struck me it much harder than I think I realized it was going to. Because we're, you and I both work for America's Kids Belong, and I've just been in the thick of looking at statistics for kids aging out and things like that. And, um, you know, Jay's adopted, so him turning 18 brought up all these feelings of, like, all the kids in foster care who turn mm-hmm. 18 and they don't have a family. And, yeah. Um, and just so proud and so um, thankful uh, for what an amazing kid he is and how well he is doing. And he'd say, um, no, he's a man. Yeah. He's a man. He's, he's 18. So no, he's not a kid, kid anymore. Is past tense for him. He would say, yes, he's making sure we know that, <laughs> but yeah, just, I mean, college bound, um, you know, in many ways, just, just really healthy, just a really mm-hmm. great kid. So we'll see where it goes from here, but he's 18 and he's excited and about to get a car. Yeah. Crazy times. Um, so, you know, kind of wanted to kick this off, you know, as we, we kind of talk more on wonder and curiosity and, and that, um, and this is following, you know, so today is the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, and so I often think about also a civil rights contemporary of his, uh, who was uh, an incredible pastor and uh, philosopher and such. But Howard Thurman was a civil rights activist who has this brilliant line where he says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Wow. And, and I think what really strikes me about that quote is just that, you know, we're so utilitarian pragmatic and we always thinking in terms of you know what um and it's not right i don't want to set this up to say like obviously like you know to to be thinking of how can we make the world better and you know what what are the gifts i have to give to the world and you know kind of thinking through the bigger lens of um what we can do or what we want to do but i think we often neglect you know what he's getting at the heart of is just are we even when you see someone that's come alive in something, 
um, and they're passionate about whatever craft that is or or whatever it is, you can't help but somehow being inspired by just their their own passion. And I think that's mm -hmm. in some way what he's talking about is that the world needs people to wake up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when our kids get an inspiration or, you know, get excited about an idea, like I think of our son, Dre, he's just full of ideas and um, just so excited to tell you all about how it's going to work. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just that curiosity and creativity, that spark right. is there. And yeah, I know for most adults, like that's just kind of dimmed. Like it's not really there anymore. It has a dimmed. I mean, you know, as C.S. Lewis says, sometime you'll be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. Like, what is it? Why do we dim? I mean, what what is it that you feel hmm. goes away? Where does that wonder go? Yeah, I think that as life becomes more pragmatic, like you said, you have to pay the bills and you got to go to work and you got to just make ends meet and figure it out and take it day by day. Stress and mm -hmm. uncertainty. Yeah and fear and things like that weigh on the human soul and people, I think, you know, many people have taken high school or college level psychology, mm -hmm. you know, just the basics of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is just, you got to have your survival needs met first and then, um, then love and, and connection mm -hmm. second is a need. And then, um, you know, belonging, being part of a group or having right. your, your people. And really at the top is when all those other needs are met, you are able to have purpose and mm -hmm. be creative and, yeah. and kind of have that safety and space to just wonder. Mm -hmm. But often people don't have all those other needs <clears throat> met. And so there's just not, they don't allow space to Yeah, it feels wonder. like after a certain time, even our schooling, you know, this space and classes that really are around, it just, if it, it just doesn't feel like there's a space for what seems to be something that's not useful mm. when it's like life giving and inherently useful in so many ways. But what are you thinking? I was just thinking about uh, certainty and how our culture is so needing an answer for everything all the mm -hmm. time. And if you're, if you have to be certain, then you, there's not, there's not that space to wonder. To consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I think the hallmark of little children and kids is just asking questions. Mm -hmm. Always questions. We have a four-year-old, you know, it's, so we're just in the thick of like, why this, why that, well, you know, although teenagers are doing that all the time too. So maybe, maybe you don't escape that really. Mm -hmm. Maybe it, it's less it's those less. teenagers they think they know stuff. They just, they're pretty certain or of they just don't question then defy and then we're the ones questioning like why did you do that yep. after i said yes that. that's more so now it. we're the ones <laughs> okay um but yeah i'm wondering so, why you're acting like a fool <laughs> yeah although you think of that you think of me a lot like that too so that's true i have a lot of wonder when it comes to your what's going behavior. on in there? <laughs> 
<laughs> up in the head there. Um, so yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, well, what are some some things that in your life that you've sat and you've just kind of allowed wonder, and then it took you on a road that sort of changed your life? Hmm. Well, maybe I. So I've lived in like I don't know if it's a dozen. God, maybe not. Ten, 10 to 12 states. I'm just going to throw that out there without looking at the license plate history that I have in a license plate collection. <laughs> but um, so I'm kind of wondering, like, what set me off on that journey of wonder, maybe to explore the U.S. more. And I always felt like I've been no, nomad. No, nomad since we let <laughs> our family left North Dakota. But that's also kind of what happens, though, when your family leaves, when you're about to you know, be a freshman and go off to college. And then the family picks up and moves from North Dakota to South Carolina. And you're going to college in Iowa, um, not knowing South Carolina was the plan. And then kind of can mess you up for a long time. So it's kind of what happened. But home base. You know, as I think back, you know, I just, I reflect back on so many times of um, being a kid of just like, we, you know, we farmed and, you know, just the land. But I remember like we'd have these huge circles of trees I've lost a technical term, for that. I don't but, um, and I just remember going in there and like creating, it, it just felt like its own world. And I don't know me and my cousin Ross, we go in there and, and just, you know, kind of build stuff. And it just felt so, I don't know, like Narnia, like, like in there. And I just, I remember like how kind of just getting lost in the space. I mean, it's easy to, I don't know that when I think back to what those feelings were like, that's kind of where I, my mind goes. I remember, um, you know, having a scrap heap of stuff to like build and, or that metal stuff for machinery and stuff. And I remember like wanting to innovate, like create like a, a mountain bike, you know, at like 12 with <laughs> like, you know, the tools dad had and stuff. And it was like taking parts off of stuff and kind of building my, and you know, that, that never, never went well, but you know, but just the exercise of doing it. I just remember, yeah, coming to this heap of possibility, this scrap heap. And that seems like a lot of what wonder is about is approaching something that hasn't been realized yet, finished, completed, or, I mean, it's not even, or it's mismatched stuff that you don't think would go together, but you're an artist. So what what's it like to kind of approach a canvas that's you know blank or um yeah i i think maybe it was in high school i took a lot of uh independent study art classes where if you're not familiar with that that's i basically i get to make up my own class (laughs) so i had this cool um teacher that you know he really didn't put boundaries on anything that i wanted to Mm -hmm. make and um I learned about mixed media okay. and what it's like to not just do a painting or a sculpture or, you know, mm-hmm. a piece of fiber art or whatever, but to start grabbing found objects or just like things that you see in your environment mm-hmm. and like being curious about how this texture or this uh, type of paint or these, mm-hmm. this sand mixed in with the paint, like what all that was going to do. And then... I just kind of went wild and for maybe a year did these boards with lots of texture and, um, 
and lots of found materials mm-hmm. and just pasted them in and um, just created art really by wondering. I wonder what this is going to look like or what it's going to do yeah. or how it's going to dry, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So. so it kind of makes me think to you how it feels like wonder. There's times where wonder is this process where I feel like you can approach something curiously Maybe it's something you're about to create or build or think about a problem a certain way. And then it's it kind of it's the act of the act of wonder and having an imagination about possibility that leads you on a journey of discovery and you know um whatever that endeavor is. But it also seems like wonder opens us up to these moments in time where God can intervene and and he does something creative mm-hmm. to where we get to be part of that and and that is like dazzlingly yeah powerful to think about because I have a couple examples of that 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 I, I think come to mind um, but one is I was reading one time about um, C.S. Lewis as an author and it was about the creative process and I think the story goes that Lewis had this scene in his mind for many years of like the fawn, Mr. Tomnus, Tomnus, um, and sort of some of the characters in the, in, in, in the plot, but it, it just like this book project could never come together. It was just always there. And it's, and, and so one day all of a sudden out of the blue, um, he talks about this bounding Aslan figure comes, flo- you know, running into his mind and almost into the story itself. And, you know, did did God sort of, you know, kind of creatively plant the seed of Aslan imaginatively in his mind? And but this idea of this lion that really is then the centerpiece and allegorically is the figure of Jesus, you know, be kind of breathes the story to life Mm -hmm. um like that happened outside of lewis it -hmm. it seems like or at least the idea popped in and you know but um, well and that's that where does inspiration come from right that's the mystery for sure like you know is there times where i mean we cannot attribute every um you know kind of creative thing that it was god that did that you know but at the same time i do think there are times where it it really is a providential Mm-hmm. idea or thought yeah um my my last example just personally of that was talked some about my brother but who you know suffered a traumatic brain injury um gosh i think 15 years ago now and you know to this day he's trapped in his body um between a bed and a wheelchair but he can fully communicate cannot speak but i remember a moment where um this is before the accident and we were living in St. Louis and he was, uh, he knew Jesse was an artist. And so he actually was dating a girl, I think, that he thought it'd be a fun date to buy some canvases and to um, kind of have a date night with us hanging out and painting. Hmm. And for whatever reason that night, I think we had, you know, our daughter and she was really young and it was hard or whatever. We couldn't do that. We couldn't paint with them. And so, that never happened. So I had these three blank canvases 
Well, then fast forward, you know, to this accident happens and then, you know, it appears that Jeremy is, you know, maybe going to die. And then, you know, all of the progression of hopelessness and things like that. And then it's, and then it seems that we're in this landing place of where it's like, does he even have any functionality? What can he do? You know, a year later after the accident, he's able to communicate through moving his, his left foot. And we were like, oh man, this is meaningful movement, you know, all this. And, and then we, um, um, this was an example where I was at my house just looking at these blank canvases, just sad, but wondering like, what kind of this, could something happen with these? Could we do anything or, but I had nothing. And it was like, this idea just popped in of Jeremy can move his left foot. We can put a paintbrush on that foot. And he can paint. Yeah. And and that's when I, I got chills immediately. I do believe that was a providential, providentially, you know, planted seed of an idea. Yeah. And then he had an art show years later as college. And it just crazy how right. that happened. So, yeah, yeah. He said, I mean, we have postcards now with all of his art on it. And, you know, it's just really cool to see people just enjoy what he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. he has purpose. Right. So, so what, what's a moment, do you have like a moment in time? Like there was a moment for me sharing that, but like a moment Mm -hmm. for you of like something that inspired wonder in you that made you wonder about something and then a significant event happened. Um, well, how we met. (laughs) How we met. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the story goes. Sounds like a story. Um, I was living outside of St. Louis, Missouri, and he was living inside of St. Louis and we were almost an hour apart, really didn't have any way that we would have come across each other's paths just, you know, organically. Um, I was working at a church with middle school youth and kind of looking for some activities, like some games to play youth group and, Um, this was back in the time of like Mm. pop-ups where, you know, I was doing my research, but every, every few seconds, this, um, bubble popped up about, um, make a free profile for this online Christian dating website. And it was, gosh, it was so cheesy. It was called (laughs) loveandseek.com. Love and seek. And so I was initially just like, annoyed, like not in a place where I would ever consider or think about online dating. It wasn't something I set out to want to go do at the time. I mean, I was 22, you were 27. Um, and it just would not go away. Like the pop-up just came seven times this pop-up. The dating website was a virus on your computer. (laughs) Wow. And I think finally I just relented. I just was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's worth just looking and see. And I kind of got in there and pretty quickly I was like, oh my gosh, there's like only maybe 20 people in the St. Louis area and like three that are within the age range I would consider. I'm reminiscing now and I'm wondering if there were (laughs) like different tiered plans and you were like on the bronze, like. Nine ninety five or whatever for I three months. Pay, and, and I didn't pay a okay, dime. Okay, so you're on the free plan. So are you surprised mm-hmm. that three dudes showed up on the <laughs> free plan? Because I remember 
the pool of possibilities was bigger for maybe me. There was so maybe there were more women and then... online dating. <laughs> anyway, the the point is is that at my initial was like, what in the world? And I clicked on one picture, and it was Travis's. And the very first profile I looked at, I mean, this guy, it, the, he's riding on a llama. Are we talking about me? Yes. Okay. You. I don't know if there's another guy on a llama because you said this guy. And then, <laughs> so you, so of the three, you had two guys on llamas. Okay, no, I'm still confused. <laughs> um, you should be curious, not confused. Oh, so okay, I'm curious now. Yes, Travis, you were you posted pictures of riding on a llama, and you had a, a picture of your uh, car at the time. It was called the Grocery Getter. It was painted up all crazy, and as an artist, he like definitely caught my attention. And um, yeah, we, it was just a quick like uh, like I pressed the wink button, and he messaged me, and we talked a little bit on the phone, and met. A week later at a coffee shop. Um, Can I just respond real quick? Sure. Because I, I have to say, so your experience was sort of this thing of like how you said it. But mine was, I wanted to just cut the crap. And like, if you, if you see a dude on a llama, you see this crazy car, whatever else I said in this profile. <laughs> like, I just wanted to like, that's got a weed out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of your profile description was wild. It was like don't want to have it fun kind of life. was like a joke. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so I was like, can get down with this joke. <laughs> this could work. But yeah, he, he definitely stood out and um stood out of the three guys <laughs> that were on there. And then we looked, what was it, a year later, and this website doesn't even exist anymore. So wow. divine intervention. It's crazy. And we're married. But it, but yeah. it, it worked for us, didn't it? Wow. Mm-hmm. The for what if grateful. worked. You can find the CEOs of that somewhere in track. Yeah. So I can think of another time when we were living in St. Louis and just knowing that God, we kind of together knew that God was moving us to the South somewhere mm-hmm. to be closer to, you know, your family and help out with Jeremy, um, your brother who's disabled. And we were really just trying to step out in faith and like get the house packed up. And Mm -hmm. I ended my, um, home daycare business and, you know, you were applying at several places in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, in like mental health agencies, because that's what you had done before. And just this, four month process of like trying to find a job put you into a lot of anxiety and stuff. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah. Just, um, I hadn't really, so how old was I at the time? 27 or no, um, 32. Okay. That was close. 32. So, but yeah, I never really experienced what I guess I would have understood as anxiety for that. Um, but it was just this period of, uh, you know, I think there was spiritual, attack I felt like going on as well but just this this kind of like I was sleepless for like four months so just insomnia I was just I was I was working and yet during the day working I was just overcome by I just just 
horribly horrible distress and i can't even i couldn't even put like a reason i mean fully it was just like this feeling that was just overwhelmingly of despair mm -hmm. and and sometimes almost panic and yeah so that's but it was that uncertainty of not knowing i don't know if that was part we... of what fueled it because i'm also one that i don't have to have the plan but i just think that you know because it was such a big thing or i don't know well i remember you feeling so kind of responsible for yeah. this where am I leading our family? Yeah. Yeah. And one night we were sitting on the couch and, you know, like many other nights in that season, you were just kind of wrecked with emotions and tears in your eyes. And this is following the dream. Oh, you want to tell about the dream? Uh, yeah. The dream. That's, that's crucial on this. And then you can finish this story. Mm -hmm. But basically, um, I had this dream and uh, I don't, uh, often or hardly ever would I say that I've had a dream and then there's something meaningful I think in it but basically yeah I have this dream that um kids are fleeing from these scary men and they were running down stairway stairs and as soon as the kids would get to sort of the end of the stair um you know they'd step off and keep running well the bad guys following them as soon as they got near the end of it, the staircase would like rise up really high. And then these guys would kind of fall, fall down and be hurt or unable to actually, you know, attack the kids, which is really weird. But then at the end of it, um, also, so that was the imagery, but at the very end of it, I just remember this line that just kind of came out like the close of a movie that just said, have faith like a child. Mm, yeah. And so that preceded. Right. What you're about to talk about. Right. So he's already got this, this um, phrase, have faith like a child in his mind. And he's sitting on the couch and, you know, he's struggling with anxiety about what our next steps would look like. And Joelle looks at him and can tell he's upset. And she said, Daddy, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know what God wants me to do. And just very blunt, you know, and then mm. in curiosity, I remember the gentleness in his voice and just the lack of certainty, just mm -hmm. but openness right. to ask our 40 year old daughter. He said, what do you think God wants us to do? And she answered, God wants you to take all the boys and girls that don't have mommies and daddies, put them in a van and bring them to our house. And immediately, like Travis and I remembered that when we were dating, um, we had talked about being house parents at a children's home one day. And we knew, like, yeah. that's what we are supposed to be doing. Like, and and she, here's, and, and it took me back to this pointer that preceded that said to, in the dream have faith like a child here's the child who has much more faith in this time than i do and she's confidently saying what, what i believe god was delivering for our family to do as a message mm -hmm. and it launched us down here into south carolina in 2013 mm -hmm. became house parents at a children's home um, adopted our two boys yeah continued to grow our family and then ever since jess and i have been really involved in Right. foster care and adoption space yeah so look what it's, that launched it's like that <laughs> moment um launched us into mm -hmm. literally a, a life trajectory of of wanting 
to be advocates for vulnerable kids in foster care. And, and that is in many different capacities. I think you, I remember, um, when you wrote a letter to the state Mm -hmm. about when we were trying to get through the process of adopting our boys, Mm -hmm. there was probably some curiosity and anger Mm -hmm. (laughs) that led to you writing that letter. Yeah to the state and and we had a contact of somebody who we were friends with that was able to actually put the letter in the state uh dss director's mm-hmm. hand right um you want to say what the letter was about well just yeah i mean at the time you know i was uh, at the children's home thornwell writing grants you know and uh, i was a grant writer and i was just seeing this disparity between how long the timeline was ideally supposed to be taking for prospective foster parents or adoptive parents to, you know, or, and then there was just a lot of push from the federal government on, you know, timeline to be shortened. And then my experience at the time just felt like, you know, our state of South Carolina just didn't have that same efficiency or urgency in this. And so I guess I just wrote a letter with this idea that, man, I mean, it, if I know the two boys because we, we know them well, who we're seeking to adopt, and I'm on certain days feeling the process to just get there through all the inspections and certifications and all that, like are wearing us down, people aren't returning calls, blah, blah. It's like, how am if I'm feeling like I can barely stay in the game, how are people who don't even, you know, they, they don't even know, they've not seen Matt, they're just kind of signing up to be foster or adoptive parents, um, how, how are they ever going to have a chance to even get to the finish line, which the finish line is actually then being, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's actually where the, Getting the real thing is happening. Yeah. So that was kind of the spirit of the letter. And anyway, the right. director of the state was super cool to mm-hmm. really hear that well and want to meet and get feedback. And so it ended up being a, you know, an incredible thing, but it's very positive. Yeah. So like with all this, with the idea of wonder and creativity and curiosity and like, what do you say to the person who's just bored? Ooh, I think, you know, boredom in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad place unless you stay there. You know, I, I guess I kind of think if you, boredom is almost that space where you're, you're on the verge of staying bored, doing something like, I don't know. Well, people escape out of boredom with all kinds of things. Sure. Like yeah, there can media, be a lot of negative things or yeah, addictive type things. You but can like, stop your boredom right. at, at the drop of a hat easily, but... I know you and I tell the kids a lot, like, it's okay to be bored because in boredom, you can become creative. Well, that's true. Yeah, you're right. So, like, if, and I can speak to this myself, I can be so distracted by things of, like, just almost, yeah, just numbing out on life or just trying to, you know, the next thing to consume and listen to or whatever or read. And it's like, I'm not even giving my space to be bored to then be curious or to, you know, I guess boredom is kind of, feels like a holding space to like 
something bad can happen, you can stay status quo bored or something amazing can happen out of it. But if you're not even getting to that place because you're just so wrapped up in like boom, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. How in the world are we ever going to be curious? Right. Yeah. So that's a good so, point. So yeah, of, this idea of wonder, like as we have times where we could easily distract ourselves or escape boredom right. with a quick fix, like giving yourself time to sit mm-hmm. in you know, the margins of life, like when you have time and, and think, contemplate, like, what does God want to speak to you? What inspiration might come? What problems are you having in your life right now that, you know, creativity, Mm -hmm. curiosity could help you solve, um, in that, for sure, you know, in, in a place that could normally just be boredom. Great line. Dorothy Parker, the poet has a beautiful line on this that you know the cure for boredom is curiosity there is no cure for curiosity i love that so let's all succumb to the fatal illness of curiosity in our lives <laughs> is the answer but yeah i think that's the that's the main thing of i think what we want to discuss today of just like let's let's all work on leaning more into our curiosity lean into wonder rediscover those places that child that brought in childlike wonder what was it you know their hobbies what are those types of things that we can kind of go back to the beginning come alive what makes us come alive and do those things and um you know and 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 see where god's at work in this space too of wonder and even agitation you know there's there's that's kind of connected i think to boredom too it can be you know of like you're a bit agitated about something but like see where that goes and lean into wonder and and um yeah things can yeah. change and um, good stuff you can do some cool stuff so closing thought um, from the one who you're looking good today was, <laughs> i think you have to say that now because you feel bad that your dating pool was three dudes and so <laughs> i i the odds you know i, was just, I, I just picked well them, so Rather than, you know, 25 guys and, you know, this one guy, he just really stood out. So See, I will accept I, no, that. Let me but... just, in fairness, I always like to say that there were only three guys because it really highlights God's hand in our oh, meeting. Okay, okay. That, I got you. Okay, no, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm it's more you. powerful. I'm hearing you. All right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today and we will see you next time.